welcome back to the PKD Dietitian Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Bruin, and today we have something a little bit different than our usual. What we're going to do today is look at a recently published article about ketogenic therapy and PKD. The title's long here, folks. It's called Feasibility and Impact of Ketogenic Dietary Interventions in Polycystic Kidney Disease, Keto ADPKD, a Randomized Control Trial. The paper was just published on this trial in Cell Reports Journal. The study that was done was done at the University of Cologne Hospital in Germany. Funding for this study came from the PKD Foundation in the form of a grant. Why am I mentioning this? Because it's always good to look at who did the research, who paid for the research to assess if there's any potential conflict of interest or influence on the reporting. It really helps keep the work legit. And in this case, definitely legit. Let's take a closer look at what the researchers did, what they found, and what the next steps are, including how this info might apply to your own health and dietary decisions. Back to our focus article. A little background on the study and who was in it. This is an experimental study that was involving humans, a randomized control study looking at ketogenic therapy and polycystic kidney disease. What is a randomized control trial? This just means that one group of participants chosen completely at random does not get the intervention, so they don't get the treatment being tested. You will see this group referred to as the control group. Now moving on to what is the goal of this specific keto ADPKD trial? The research really wanted to, and this is in their own language, to provide a clinical translation of animal-based findings. They want to take what we've seen with PKD and ketogenic therapy and say, does it look the same in humans? Do the results look the same? And this is a feasibility study. So we're seeing, do humans tolerate it? And what is the impact? This study's design, as I mentioned, was a randomized control trial. And they use the word exploratory to describe it. It was done at one single center. It entailed a three-month intervention. So for all the participants, they are going to get, be getting three months worth of intervention. And the results that the researchers were looking at was primarily the feasibility. They're asking what the reported feasibility was. So that just means that the people that were doing the intervention was a feasible. And they also looked at adherence. Their adherence was measured by how well they were following the diet. And the way they did that was they looked at their ketone levels. They also looked at, hey, did a bunch of people drop out? Because that's a really good sign that the intervention was not feasible. You don't want a study where in the real world it means nothing because it's all about creating change and impact in the real world. There are what is called three arms to this study, and that just refers to the different groups. There's three groups. A total amount of people that joined up was 66 people. Those 66 people were split into three different groups. One group was the control, 
One group got ketogenic therapy, and remember it's for three months, and then one group was put into what was called the water fast. So I'll tell you a little bit about how each of those was set up. The control group got normal counseling, you know, about good hydration and, you know, limit your sodium, but that is the extent. So what's considered normal counseling of diet for folks with PKD. The ketogenic group got what was considered a typical ketogenic diet. The water fast group, the way that that was set up was they were asked to do three days of a water fast within the first half of the month. Of course, they could drink fluid and they could also have a little bit of broth each day. Looking at who actually enrolled, it was pretty evenly split between men and women. The average age was about 41 years old, and they did have relatively good GFRs, so relatively good kidney function, at about 84, and there was a pretty wide range there, plus or minus 24. To enroll, you really had to have CKD3 or above. Now, here's the part that I thought was really relevant. The participants who enrolled in this study were not obese or overweight. A lot of the studies around PKD deal with folks who are heavier. And this one looked at ketogenic therapy in folks who were relatively their appropriate weight. So the average BMI was a little bit high of 25, plus or minus about four. That's one aspect I really liked about this study that differentiated itself from a lot of the other studies. Now that you have a good idea of who was enrolled and what they were doing, Let's get to what did the results show? First, we're going to talk about the feasibility. Were people able to do this? Was it possible? It's pretty impressive how many people started the study and finished the study and also rated it as feasible. Of the 66 folks who started the study, 63 folks completed it. That's pretty impressive. One person who enrolled once they were going to the treatment phase was not able to do it. One person withdrew because it was too far to travel to the center. Only one person quit because they said it just wasn't possible. And that was a person in the water fast group. And note that nobody in the ketogenic therapy group said it was not feasible based on continuation. Now looking at their questionnaires about feasibility, 95% of the people with ketogenic diet said, yep, totally doable. Compared to that, 85% in the water fast group said it was feasible. And remember, one person actually left the study. These results speak to, yes, it is doable. However, I would like to point out that part of this study included someone setting up the macronutrients for the folks in the ketogenic diet. They were given that information, as were folks in the water fast group. Plus, folks in the ketogenic diet group got their, their food provided along with recipes and menu guides. The researchers noted this as possibly have impacting the feasibility. Does matter to get support. It does matter to get guidance and not do it on your own. I felt that was very important to mention there was a higher level of support provided to people. Me personally, 
I 100% believe this impacted the feasibility. I see it every day with the folks that I work with who are doing ketogenic therapy. The support, the accountability, and just the guidance is invaluable. Let's look at more results. There were some significant findings. And when I say that, I mean statistically significant. And all this means is that there is a very small likelihood that the results were caused by chance. And that if someone was to repeat this study, they would likely get the same results. The two significant results that were seen were both in the ketogenic group. The first was weight loss. The ketogenic group lost a significant amount of weight, and that was primarily in the first month, which is very commonly seen when you go on a ketogenic diet. After that, it more leveled off. One thing that is really important to point out is they looked at was it fat? Was it lean muscle that was lost? Because I hear this a lot of time, like, oh, I don't want to do ketogenic therapy because I don't want to lose, you know, some muscle. It was primarily fat loss. Some of it likely some water loss too. They also saw a reduction in the total liver size in the ketogenic group. I'm not going to dive into this, but no, it does go back to how carbs are stored in the body. This reduction in liver volume once someone starts eating higher carbs, does disappear. It's only really temporary, but it's absolutely worth longer studies to see if ketogenic therapy can impact uh, total liver volume. Other findings and observations that are worth noting. Now, these are not statistically significant, but they are worth noting. Let's look at total kidney volume because that's what you guys really want to know about, right? The control group, the people that had no special diet, and the water fasting group in those three months saw an increase in their total kidney volume. This is what's to be expected with PKD and its slow progression. However, the people who were on the ketogenic diet saw a 0.55% reduction in their total kidney volume. This isn't significant, but as the researchers stated, it is an unexpected finding especially with the short duration of the study. They took the MRIs at the beginning of the study at the baseline, and they took the MRIs at the end of the ketogenic dietary treatment, and their kidneys were smaller. Looking at their estimated GFR, the research actually looked at it based on creatinine, and they also looked at it based on cystatin C. If you're not sure why I'm talking about both of those or you want some more information about cystatin C, check out episode 33. It's a shorty episode and you'll get all the information that you need. It's linked out in the show notes. Looking at GFR, their kidney function, the ketogenic diet saw a 5.5 increase in and that's the average in GFR. So their kidney function read higher. The control and the water fasting group both saw a decrease in kidney function. They tested the cystatin C because, well, it's not influenced by diet or muscle, and this was a dietary intervention. And guess what? Very similar results. The water fast and the ketogenic diet both saw a decrease in function, so their GFR went down. However, the ketogenic diet group saw an increase of almost 14% in their GFR. 
every study needs to report if there's any negative events that happen or if there's any side effects. The only significant safety-related event that happened was, quote-unquote, the keto flu. So folks who were doing the ketogenic diet and the water fast experienced what's considered the keto flu. It usually happens in the very beginning of the diet if someone experiences it. The keto flu is 100% avoidable. Check out episode 20. I also linked that out in the notes. It has a little bit more of what to do to safely start ketogenic therapy in that episode. Looking at adverse events that happened during treatment, and this is if anything bad happened during the treatment, there was only one that they questioned if it possibly could be related to the treatment. And here's what it was. One person in the ketogenic diet group passed a symptomatic kidney stone. Is it related? They don't know. From the time they started the diet to when they passed the stone or started feeling the symptoms of that stone, it was only 24 days. And that's not very long to develop a new stone. They did mention this in the discussion. What I want to know is, did this person have a stone previously? Because if you have a kidney stone once, you have a much higher percentage of forming a kidney stone. Also, what type of stone was it? I'm very curious about that because that information is relevant. I have worked with folks who actually had stones and they were formed previously and they were in their kidneys, they knew about them. And upon starting ketogenic therapy, because there is a diuretic effect, you're peeing a lot more, you're drinking a lot more, they actually pass the stone. My guess, and this is totally my opinion, was that this stone was already there and somehow got dislodged and they passed it. It's just not long enough to form a stone. I did not notice that folks who previously had kidney stones were excluded from this study. I would absolutely be curious about that and would like to know the answers. Two areas that were identified to pay attention to moving forward with any research is number one, kidney stones, of course. The other area is a look at lipids and then a look at heart. The folks that were in the ketogenic group did show increased markers for heart disease, which were increased LDL, increased total cholesterol, and several other markers that I'm not going to dive into in depth in this discussion. Here's my thoughts on this. The experiment for the treatment was not very long. The typical pattern when someone starts ketogenic therapy is you are adding more fat, and so their lipids generally go up because their body is becoming accustomed to this, and then they drop low and level out. This is the same pattern that I have seen in many of the folks that I have worked with and actually see improved lipid parameters once you test a little further down the road. In fact, I tell lots of folks I work with not to test within the first six to eight weeks. So the question is, are these the long-term results? And that bears further study. Also, it's noted that there was a relevant amount of folks who came to their visits not fasting. And if you take lipid measures when you're not fasting, they're going to be higher. That's why they are a fasting measure. These are things that I think need to be factored in moving forward. When I'm working with folks, it's very individual. We look at their lipid history. We look at baseline. We look probably about three months down the road and continue to monitor because not everybody responds the same. 
And we also look at the types of fat that they're incorporating and other components that go into good heart health. Worth noting here, and that loops back to kidney stones, is that they saw, I think, about three people who had their uric acid go higher than seven. My question is, what is their history of uric acid trend? Had they previously had high numbers or what was their number when they started? I could not find this information. With PKD, there tends to be higher uric acid levels. And so I think this needs a little bit further looking into. Now, let's get a little bit to their diet and my thoughts on how they approach the ketogenic diet. First off, what I want you to know is the researchers really tried to provide a moderate protein level. So not super high, not meat keto They did state that they wanted a maximum of 30 grams of carbohydrates per day. What I note is this is not net carbohydrates. I am not sure how they provide a total of 30 grams of carbohydrates a day and also reported as being primarily vegetarian. Those two do not line up for me. Upper limits were also defined for oxalates and potassium and phosphorus and other components. There doesn't really need to be an upper limit on potassium with that GFR. You should only restrict if there is risk for high numbers. That one was a little bit off to me. And what they did say was that they did provide on average about 10 grams of fat from an MCT, like an MCT oil a day. Looking at all of this and calculating the numbers from a dietary perspective, this just doesn't add up to me. You can't have moderate intake of protein with very low carbohydrates. It has to be net carbohydrates if you are doing a plant-based ketogenic therapy. I would really like to see a breakdown of what these folks were eating. Another reason I would like to see a breakdown is because if someone doesn't have good plants in their diet while doing ketogenic therapy, they are going to see that cholesterol go up. You need those phytonutrients. You need that fiber. There's more than just fat that goes into cholesterol. Looking at the numbers of the 10 grams of fat for four grams of protein for one gram of carbs, in my dietitian history, this was very high fat and very low carbohydrate. I think the approach might need to be revisited for longer term. But that's just my opinion and based on what I have been doing for several years within the PKD community. This is probably very high fat and the majority of protein was likely meat, which makes sense if you see uric acid go up and the carbs were low. Also, another thing that I would like to see reported was participants took their ketone readings at home. Folks who did the water fast, they used a breathalyzer. Folks who did the keto used both a breathalyzer and their blood test. Looking at blood test is the gold standard and that should have been done. It was probably done for ease of use. I would really like to see those numbers also to see kind of what was going on at home. In summary, this is the first randomized control trial with humans looking at ketogenic diet therapy and ADPKD. That is huge, folks. That means that we are moving forward in studying dietary interventions with PKD. And the more research we have, the more answers we're going to get, and also the more questions we're going to get. 
But the key point there is we are moving forward. How does this work? Does this work? Why does it work? And every step forward is a movement towards better options for PKD. The limitations of this study were it was pretty small, it was pretty short. It is the starting point. Of course, we need larger studies and longer studies, and that's what should come next. The results show that there was an impact on total kidney volume and estimated function when someone was doing ketogenic therapy and they had those ketones present. Results also showed that there's some areas that we need to study further and pay attention to. And in my opinion, that is not only how much protein, but what type. Type actually matters. And the same goes when it comes to fat, not just how much fat, but also what type. And I think that individualization when doing ketogenic therapy, it really highlighted that looking at the past and the risk factors and heart health are very important. So the question is, what does this mean for you? It means that we're getting more research and we're getting more funding. It also means that the trends and impact we saw in animal models so far does translate when we do human trials. It also means that if you want to consider ketogenic therapy, that you need to get the help and support to set it up and to do it safely and do it in a way that considers your whole health, not just looking at your ketone number. Do it in a way that supports better intake, the right kinds of protein, and heart healthy fats. And I'm going to leave you with that thought today. And if you would like extra support in doing ketogenic therapy, reach out to a professional who can help you. If you're interested in working with, with me, I have a great 90-day one-on-one program to get you set up, to get you in ketosis. You get great menus and guides for about four to six weeks. You get professional monitoring. You get that weekly support and everything in between that you probably didn't know was important. And until next time, happy eating.